Hello everyone, my name is Tim Bearden, and I would like to welcome you to Shadow Self the Podcast, a production of Shadow Mind. I am the owner and Enneagram coach at Shadow Mind. You can visit our website at www.yourshadowmind.com. And so what I do is I use the Enneagram to help people better not only themselves, but also to help better their relationships. We want to maintain healthier relationships. We want to grow in relationships rather than grow apart. And I think in the state of the country right now, really what we're seeing is that's really more needed than ever. And so I believe that we can accomplish this through Enneagram coaching, because if we can see ourselves with objectivity, then there's no reason why we can't look at others the same way. But true objectivity is only knowing that you're flawed. And that offers you the chance or the ability to look at those same people and go, you know what, they're flawed too. Maybe I should understand what they're saying better than condemn them for being flawed. And through my co- my coaching experience, I have learned from Beth McCord, who is the owner at Your Enneagram Coach, www.yourenneagramcoach.com. And she looks at it from a gospel-centered perspective. And that's how I learned, and that's how it helped me, really, is through the gospel-centered perspective, because the Enneagram was birthed through spiritualism, and it's more like math now, and it's a lot more complex than it seems on the surface. The reason why I went down the path of spirituality is because that's what I believe, and I believe that my faith will help me get through it. Is that for everybody? Absolutely not. I don't think that it is. I encourage you to look down that path and see if it's for you. But I maintain that self-knowledge will allow you to help better yourself and your relationships. And while it's probably easier, in my opinion, to do it through religion or spirituality, or in my case, through the gospel, I don't think it's absolutely necessary. And so I came up with Shadow Mind as an idea of to help everyone see their blind spots. And Shadow Mind is a derivative of Shadow Self, which was coined by Dr. Carl Jung. And he was a brilliant psychologist, for those of you who don't know. And he came up with the idea of the Shadow Self, the self that we hide away from everybody, either because we don't know it's there or is because we know it's there and we don't want to admit it. And there's no else that's really more apparent than in the Enneagram. Because on the surface, the Enneagram looks very simple. It looks like your disk profile or your Myers-Briggs or whatever personality exam is the flavor of the week. And so I first learned about the Enneagram, oh, I would say about two or three years ago from a friend of mine, I looked at it and I thought the same thing you're probably thinking. Well, most personality tests give you this sweeping idea of who you are and don't really get down into the nitty gritty because while you identify with some of it, you definitely don't identify with all of it. That being said, the Enneagram on the surface will do the same thing. You can take an Enneagram test. You could type, for example, I'm a five. Sure, you could look at it and go, I can see some of that, but not all of it. And that's where most people stop. With the Enneagram, there's so many more layers. And I 
equate it to a computer program. Now, when you have a computer program that's working kind of about as well as it is, but it's several years old, it's on an older operating system for that reason, all of that stuff has bugs and glitches and slows down over time, much like your experiences slow down your personality because there's too many things coming in informationally that doesn't necessarily line up with everything you believe. So you make these coping matter. You develop these coping habits. You develop these unhealthy patterns of behavior that allow you to get through day to day, but they necessarily don't help you in the way that you want them to be a healthier you or maintain healthier relationships. And that's because we haven't totally accepted our shadow self. We don't want it to come out because we view that as bad. For me, I'm a five. My, one of my biggest things is emotion. I don't like to be emotional, but I'm told from others that I am. And it's usually people that I'm really comfortable, comfortable with. And it, frustrates me because I'm like, I'm not emotional. I am objective. I am looking at this through this lens. And that's not entirely true because what I see is firmness and objectivity to others comes across as anger. And that is a natural tendency for my number is to be frustrated and cynical and misanthropic leading to these intellectually arrogant conversations where you come off as condescending and sarcastic and it most people can perceive that as anger, even though you think you're just talking. And so that's a blind, blind spot for me. Like, yeah, I know I have the sarcasm and I know I can be condescending. And there's times where I do it on purpose. Am I proud of it? No. But it's something that I know about me and something I'm working on. That being said, that's my computer program over the years has been told, hey, you have to do it this way. This is the only way people are going to get across because that's how you had to do it as a kid or that's how you had to do it in this relationship or that's how you had to do it in this situation. And so you just start formulating all of these memories and these patterns of behavior that you're like, okay, if I do this, then I can do that. Like a very, very old basic computer program. So think of your personality as a computer program and think of your brain as the operating system. Your personality is getting slowed down by all the information the, the operating system is now taking in. And if you're keeping the operating system up to date all the time, but you're not changing your software, you're going to have a lot of miscommunication. And so the program or the device isn't going to work as well as it used to. So think of the Enneagram as digging into those pieces that aren't working as well. We want to get you back to where you were much at a much younger stage of life when you were still looking at it through the eyes of a child. And while you're sitting there probably thinking, well, this is the real world, Tim. This is not childhood. This is something that I have to. I'm not, I'm not saying that you should be a kid again. I'm not saying you should think like a kid again, like you should have the same opinions, like you should have this, like when I was a kid, I had the opinion that uh, anybody could be what they wanted. One day I could learn how to fly. One day I could learn how to read minds or lift things with just my thoughts. I genuinely thought that that was possible. Do I now? No, because I've learned so much over the years. 
my operating system is kept up with that information. My personality still wants to believe in the impossible. So we want your personality to reboot to those possibilities, to the less unhealthy ways of, ways of thinking. And Enneagram coaching, what I do, is a good way of doing that because you don't just have your main type. You have your main type, you have your wings, you have your path of stress, your path of growth, your blind path, your converging path. Then as you get a little deeper, you get into your instinctual subtypes. Then as you dig even deeper into that, you get into tri-types. And then each of those types have, at that point, you have one type from eight, each of the main triads. And a triad in the Enneagram speak are the three numbers within this certain way of experiencing the world. For four, five, and six, which is me, we're in the thinking triad. So we look at the world fearfully. Um, the six is especially well known for anxiety. The five is more reluctant to believe that anyone's on the level. So when you're moving within that triad, fear is a big, big component to it. Now, when you shift to like eight, nine, and one, you're now in the gut triad. And most of those um, types will act out more in emotion and they'll react to things off of their gut feeling. And their primary emotion is anger. And eights will show it outwardly. Ones will show it in a resentful nature. And nines just ignore that they're angry altogether. They don't want to be angry. They don't see anger as a good thing. Not that they don't see emotions as a good thing. So that's where a lot of people mix up the five and the nine. Because the five doesn't think emotions are good. The nine doesn't mind emotions, but they don't like anger. So they ignore that as an emotion. And as you move over to the two, three, and four, those are now in what's called the heart triad. So they're more wanting to support. They want to feel loved and want to feel needed, and they do that through different ways. The three looks for it outwardly, the two looks for it outwardly, and the four looks for it inwardly. And the two does it in a different way than the three. The three, as we're seeing play out actually right now, can be very narcissistic in its way of thinking, the unhealthier it gets. And so it starts to tout their experiences and how, what, how well they're doing and how good they are, whereas the two would more lift up others. They're the supportive advisor. They're the ones that are going, oh, yeah, well, we can do this better for you. That way you can be better. And the fours sit and internalize just about everything. And they have very, how do I say this delicately? abrupt emotions. And from what I understand, that's a strength for them. And that's what a five with a four wing can really benefit from, or a five of the one-to-one -one subtype, is because they have more access to that emotional piece, which will help balance their logical way of thinking. I'm going to read you a quote from uh, a book that I really like. It's called Personality Types by Don Richard Rizzo. And I really think that this kind of sums up the Enneagram and sums up its intention the best. And it's the Enneagram, which has been tr transmitted to us from a variety of histories, rich in spiritual and philosophical traditions, 
represents a profound understanding of human nature, something needed as much now as it was in the past. And I have to agree, we do need to understand human nature better. So when we look at pop culture, that is a good way for us to understand human nature. And you're looking at me going, what? You're telling me to compare me to a fictional character or a fictional situation or real life to a fictional situation. Not really. I'm more or less saying there's things we can learn about ourselves through pop culture. Now, when we're, let's take me for example. I am a five and some of my favorite literature characters uh, come from the pages of Sherlock Holmes. And Sherlock Holmes is by far someone I've always been able to relate to. And I never really gave it much thought before, but even when I'm watching the show Sherlock or Elementary or any number of the Sherlock Holmes movies or reading any of the novels, believe me, I have them all. I sit there and I go, I could do that. Or, yeah, he's thinking the same way I am. But when he reacts to something negatively or he does something that I may not like, such as things House does, for example, too, they're both type fives. I can relate to them, but I look at what they do in a negative light as a negative thing, and I want to, de to, to deny that. But to deny that is to deny a part of myself. And when you figured out your Enneagram number, there's a lot about it you want to, de to deny because you don't want to admit it to yourself. But the more you think about it, the more you realize, ooh, I do do that. Oh, man. Okay. So it doesn't necessarily put you in a box. It more puts you inside of a frame. It frames how you are now, but frames can change. Frames can update. Like, I could have a picture frame of my, my seven-year-old in it, and I could like that frame just fine, but I could find another way of framing that picture. I'm not changing the picture. I'm just changing the way it looks or it would appeal to me. And so by changing your personality from happy-go-lucky, I'm just fine, everything's just fine, and I can keep going the way I've been doing over and over and over, but not realizing that while you're doing it, you're stumbling. It's like having that first frame with a crack in it. That's probably why you replaced it in the first place, not because you didn't like the way it looked, but because it finally something finally happened to it. So would you keep the picture frame with a broken piece of glass in it? No, nobody would. So why would you want to keep the things in your personality that aren't working as well for you? And that's what people do with Enneagram coaching. And the expectations are always different. And I think the expectations is really what gets us into trouble. Take this for example. I was having a hard time with this podcast. I'm like, it has to be this way. And, you know, I'm nervous about talking and yada, 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 yada. And I was talking to a buddy of mine about it. He goes, man, just look. Sometimes you just got to do it. You can spend the whole time prepping and planning and making sure it's perfect. But at the end of the day, people are just going to want to hear what you have to say, even if it isn't in the most perfect of packages. He said, take a look at any of the, the YouTube videos out there. Look at some of the worst YouTube videos you can find, but look at how many followers that channel has or how many views that video has. They don't care how it's packaged. What they're listening to is the person selling it to them. And that made a lot of sense. And it got me thinking about Enneagram coaching in that fashion or even as my personality. 
I could have the expectation of this is who I am, right? Oh no, I'm sitting there this in my head because this is how I've thought I was over all of these years. I could be that person. But to the someone on the outside, they're going, no, no, that's not what you look like to me. And then there's that huge disconnect. And most people just shrug it off if they don't really know me. But what if this is a significant other or a family member or something who's someone who's supposed to have known you for a long period of time? Well, guess what? Whose lens is cracked? Is it yours or theirs? And the answer is neither, because both of their viewpoints can be true. You can think you're that one person. You have those expectations. That person can think you're a completely different person based on those expectations. But the execution is flawed. But that's okay. You know why? Because we can always fix what we've executed. It doesn't take away what's happened. You know, I can't call someone a moron and then go, oh, hang on, nope, I take it back. No, it's out there. It's already out there. It's happened. But I can reframe the way I look at that person. And the next time, I can talk to them in a different way. And that really would help more understanding in our culture. And I really don't think we have the capacity to be condescending anymore. We don't have that liberty at this point to be at each other's throats. I mean, this election itself has divided the country in half. And there's a lot of jokes online about a civil war. But if we don't take the time to one under, understand one another, then we are headed for civil war. And I'm not saying that the values being put out are wrong. Because yes, anti-racism by all means, anti-homophobia by all means, anti-wanting the government to control people's bodies. Yes, yes, yes. I'm not saying those are bad values to fight for. What I'm saying is to reframe how the people with the rhetoric we don't like, we want to reframe how we look at them. Because if we keep looking at them as the enemy, then we are going to end up enemies. So as we look at ourselves and we take in stock of who we are, we realize how flawed we are. And for me, for example, that's why I use the gospel and I, because I am a Christian and I do believe that I'm not going to be perfect. There's no way I can achieve perfection. To think that I can do that on my own is having a bad expectation and it's not even practicing the religion that I claim to be a part of or the ideology. I could go on forever about that. However, what we really need to look at is our is ourselves. And it's not that I think that you should be using the gospel to get through or religion or spirituality. I think there's an aspect of it in the Enneagram and I would encourage you to explore it. But I'm not going to say that that's the absolute way of doing this. I'm saying that's my way of doing it. But you can read more about what I'm saying and more about my process and everything on my website. Um, and that's www.youryourshadowmind.com. On there, you can book your free consultation. I have coaching sessions starting as low as $75 a session. And I also have a Facebook page now that you can look to link. You can be linked to from our website. Check on there for Enneagram resources. 
You can also check on there to take your free Enneagram test. I don't have one myself, but I link to the one on Beth McCord's page at yourenneagramcoach.com. And she's and through that, you're able to take a free test and it'll give you all the explanations. This is the test I use for all of my clients. And when they send it back to me, we go through and we assess it. It's going to come through with all of the numbers that you've related to. And they're going to put it in a percentage order for you. And what a typing interview does is it doesn't type you. I cannot type you. I don't know you as well as you know you. Only you can type you. But it gives us a frame of reference to go with. And as we dig deeper in, either you realize, oh yeah, I embody a lot of that type. You go, you know, I'm not really thinking that that top type that I tested as, maybe I didn't take the test in the right frame of mind because this number here sounds more like me and my core motivations which we also go into during a typing session, what those are for each of your types, because we all have them. We have a core weakness, we have a core fear, we have a core desire, and we have a core, what Beth McCord calls longing, or something that we always want to hear. And it's through those is how we view the world. And I really think that the more we understand the Enneagram, because it's easy to push it off just as another personality test. But honestly, the beauty is in its simplicity with layers upon layers of complexity. I think it's one of the most elegant personality tests out there. And it came as a result of a lot of personality research. And while it's been flawed over the years, like everything else, it continues to adapt and it continues to change personality testing, that is, to where we may not have perfected it, but we've gotten one of the best models that we can get through the Enneagram. So I encourage you to really dig into it and see if coaching is right for you because it is complicated to understand, but it's also easy to get and apply once you do understand it. Well, that's all we have time for today, everyone. Again, my name is Tim Bearden. You have been listening to Shadow Self, the podcast, produced by Shadow Mind LLC out of Kansas City. You can email me directly, tim at yourshadowmind.com, with any comments or questions. And please visit our website to check out what we do and to book your free consultation. Well, that's all for this week, friends. And just want to wish everyone a happy end of the election no matter how it turns out.